0: Okay, welcome back to Polling Place 2020. I'm Grace. I'm Kelly. And today we have a special guest joining us. Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: So I'm Grant. I'm in student government. I'm a sophomore political science major. And
0: today we are going to be talking about the vice presidential debate from last night and then of course the upcoming debate between Ronnie Davis and Betsy Dirksen They are both running for the 13th Congressional District, which includes part of Bloomington Normal. Davis has held the position since 2013, and a few years ago, two years ago, Betsy challenged Davis, and she lost by a 0.8% margin. About that. So what are your guys' thoughts?
2: I think it'll be close. Like, If it was that close two years ago, it's definitely going to be a lot closer this year, especially with... Everything at hand and all the issues that have been going on since the last election.
1: Yeah, I'd say that uh, if you look at 538 in, uh, PCP polling averages, uh, this is going to be the most contested race in America, I'd guess. And um, if you look at the trend in polling across the country, it looks like it's going to be a little more blue than it was in 2018, where Democrats were up nationwide 8 or 9 percent. It's looking like 11 or 12 So I think Betsy has a decent chance, especially if college kids vote.
0: Would you say, okay, from at least your perspective as a political science major, how big of a difference would it make if almost every single college kid in Bloomington Normal were to vote?
1: I think she would win by 20,000 votes. Like, If you look at the percentage of college-aged voters that don't show up I think the number in Illinois is less than 30, 35%. Don't hold me to that, but that's that's the broad picture that's painted like we don't turn out. And by and large, say seven out of 10 college kids are more left leaning. So I would say if even half of this campus turned out to vote, she would win. And if you include, you know, Heartland, Parkland, uh, the U of I, all of these campuses we have, and high school seniors, if you had got half of that group to come out, I think she would win by four, five, six percent. But that's probably not going to happen.
0: How do you expect it to be as close as it was last year? Well, not last year, two years ago. I'm sorry. That's 2018. My years are a little off here.
1: <laughs> Time is just one long running. It really is clock since March. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be within two points. I think it. I think it's probably going to go to Betsy. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. I think she'd, she'll win anywhere between half a point and one and a half. I just think that the climate, you know, the Senate is about to flip to the Democrats most likely. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a change in the White House. So I think all of those are going to trickle down to her uh, on the ballot. So that's my call.
2: So, go vote. <laughs> if you haven't already. <laughs>
1: right. I already voted. Sure I to did, too.
0: I mail mail and vote. Okay.
2: I have not yet, but I do plan on doing it, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> shop,
1: shop. I just went in early. I didn't Ooh, mail Ooh, see, in. early voting's good. Mm-hmm. There was, like, four people in the gym. Brookings building, for anybody from Champaign, that's where all the early voting is. Three or four people in there. It was a piece of cake, ten minutes.
0: I know in McLean County, they had a problem with early voting. Mm. There was a... Two questions misprinted on the ballot, mm. so now they're trying to find how they can. Cause there's people who've already voted,
1: mm-hmm. and I don't remember the
0: exact number. So now they're trying to find how they're going to fix that mistake.
1: Yeah, Champaign County's had a few of those problems too. Our county clerk's office sent out uh, the mail-in applications. They were there were candidates that were spelled wrong. They said, like there was a wrong deadline or something printed on there. It's it's tough. This is a tough election for that those it, kinds of mistakes it is mm-hmm.
0: i don't want to stick too much on it because there is a debate between mm-hmm. davis and Laundrigan tuesday night they just had one in champagne but there is one here in bloomington normal on tuesday mm-hmm. 7 30 make sure you tune in to wglt will be broadcasting it so tune into their facebook i'll be watching it i'll probably be live tweeting it'll be really good <laughs> The m-
2: shout out to our photographers that are going to that event yes <laughs> we have
0: two of our photo- um, photographers Alec- Alex Gant and then I'm not sure who the other one is yet but they're going I'll be do- watching it from Facebook <laughs> so I'm guessing the major topics are going to be healthcare, police reform COVID handling and then because Illinois is such a huge like agriculture area I'm guessing ag funding That's what I'm predicting their major topics are going to be.
2: I definitely think COVID is going to be a big one only because, you know, obviously we're a college town. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously a lot of college kids. And I know just from covering a bunch of events, like the board of trustees meetings, like the town council meetings, there's a lot that has been like going into those conversations. A lot of them may not be the brightest or the most positive. So I definitely think that's going to be a big factor.
0: And Davis had COVID himself in like August. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch the champagne debate, so I don't know what really went down because I'm like just waiting to see what's going to go down here in normal. Did you watch the champagne debate?
1: I watched some of it, but uh, from the tweets that their teams put out and just from both of their strategies, you're going to see uh, Betsy dirksen can focus on healthcare and COVID. I mean, Mm -hmm. how can we not focus on COVID? And right now that Mm -hmm. is politically advantageous for her because she's not in the government. So if there's a, A perceived government failure on COVID, whether you blame the White House or the Congress, if there's mismanagement, it's easy for Democrats that aren't in office to use that. And healthcare, if she's talking to people our age, if the Affordable Care Act is repealed in court November 10th, shortly after the election, that's a huge issue brewing. Everybody under 26 is not going to be able to stay on their parents' health insurance. So I think you're going to see her talk about that. And then for Rodney Davis, uh, the perception is polling, 60% of Americans thought the economy was really strong before COVID, and they're going to want to talk about that. The Republican Party views the economy as a huge uh, weapon for them because people perceive the low unemployment and the stock market records as helping their lives. So that's going to be beneficial for him to try to move the conversation towards that.
0: That just That's the perfect segue for the next section I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the vice presidential debate. Oh, exciting. This was, um, compared to the presidential debate, how do you guys think it went?
2: I personally think it went better, but it was still like a hot mess in itself. I know we were talking about this earlier, but it it was like a hot mess in its own way, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, I think it resembled more of a traditional debate. There yeah. were some oh, yeah. rule violations, a little bit of uh, talking over the other. Uh, that's becoming more common, but it did feel a little more normal.
0: It really yeah. did. I was like, I can actually figure out where they're what they're saying and <laughs> what their stances are. Yeah. Right? And I mean, I know, like, obviously, they
2: didn't really answer the questions like a lot of the time, but I you still got that feeling that it was still like a discussion and like mm. a debate to like an extent. Right. Yeah.
1: With, with Trump and uh, Biden, the first time I you really couldn't get past a minute into any topic. So you really didn't get to scratch the surface of any issue. But I think that both of the vice presidential candidates got a little deeper this this time into the they issues. They definitely did. Yeah.
0: Going back to the Affordable Care Act and mm-hmm. the age of 26 thing, I need all you young ones to understand that we are affected by this. So mm-hmm. Just go out and vote. If you want to stay on your parents' health insurance until you're 26, this is a really big decision. Mm-hmm. This also brings me to the Supreme Court nomination. They pushed it back two weeks because of well, COVID. Do you think it's going to get
1: further? Well, this is really historically unprecedented. What is happening in the Senate right now, in a in the non-bias, in the most non-biased way possible. The last time this happened was in the 1860s with Abraham Lincoln, where a Supreme Court justice passed away. I think to the day, like today or yesterday, like however many days it is until the election, that's when that Supreme Court justice passed away back then. And Lincoln said, honest Abe, said, don't fill. It's not my mandate. So you're going to see a lot of voters. I think the number is 74%, according to Reuters, that want to see COVID relief addressed before the Supreme Court nomination. And we're not seeing that happen in the Senate. So you have to wonder, what's that going to mean for... People that are already voting. The election has started. We've never seen an appointment in a confirmation during an election because we're not we're not proceeding an election anymore. I already voted. I so. did
0: too. <laughs> I don't. It's, Kelly, go vote. Yeah, I will. Gotta, I will. <laughs> yeah. I promise. Mm-hmm. So the GOP is looking to nominate Amy Coney Barrett. She obviously is more conservative. My roommate actually pointed out to me last night when we were watching the debate when they were talking about that was um, she actually wrote a paper about how her judgment would be based on her religion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which brings us back to the Affordable Care Act, especially when they started talking about abortion Mm -hmm. and women's rights for that. She obviously does not believe in that, which I don't know how I feel
1: about that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think if you're a college student particularly anybody that might be listening, you have to wonder, what does this mean for you? This might be the first election that you can remember that might directly affect your everyday life. Like if you don't have health insurance after November 10th, it it will happen very quickly. If the Supreme Court passes, uh, well, if the Senate confirms Trump's nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, it's very likely that the Affordable Care Act will be overturned. And if it becomes illegal for people under 26 to be on their parents' health insurance, that could affect us in the next couple of weeks. So you might want to consider voting one way or the other on that. Don't abstain this time. You know, that's a pretty big opinion not to get involved in. But yeah, that's going to, this is going to be a turning point in America. Legally, in terms of health care, she has said publicly through paperwork and through speeches that she does not support the decision of Roe v. Wade. It is rumored, not confirmed, but very likely that they will try to find a way in the Supreme Court to overturn that decision. So this is all on the ballot.
2: I mean, like going off of that, like I'll try to say this in the least like biased way. But like for me, like as a woman, like this is scary, you know, like you don't really have to like like if you don't know a lot about politics and you're kind of wondering, should I vote? these next couple of weeks are the perfect opportunity Mm -hmm. to take time to watch these debates, you know, like learn more about the candidates and like realize, you know, like Grant said, you know, how does this affect me? And then go out and make that vote. You know, voting is just a starting point and only has so much of an effect, but it still does something, you know, like it's still like a starting point for us. And then we can just still go from there. Mm
1: -hmm. You're absolutely right. Like this is the biggest election I think we could we've ever lived through, we might ever live through. Right. And to not, I would just say, do you want to be on the other end of this, perhaps unhappy with the result, and not be able to say, I did everything possible to have changed this outcome. Right. Or on the other side, if it does work out, wouldn't you want to say, I helped contribute to this? Because uh, women's rights are on the ballot. The future of the Supreme Court for the next quarter century is on the ballot. And it might be already too late if they push her through you know, despite not really having the mandate and breaking historical precedent, So you should really go vote, no matter which way you fall. I'm not going to tell you which way to vote, but you should be, you should put your opinion out, put it on paper, vote.
0: It is the easiest form yeah. of participation in our democracy. It is. You can either mail in, early vote, just go to the pals. Yeah. That also, last point I want to talk about, because it's been in the news since uh, basically the debate last week president trump got covid yes what is your thoughts on that irony I don't, I don't even like know what to say about that you know i don't think any of us <laughs> do <laughs> i remember someone texted us in our reporter chat it was like trump just has positive for covid i honestly spent 25 minutes trying to write the breaking news thing for the vedette website but i couldn't because i was too busy laughing at the irony of it all
1: Well, you know, I don't want to wish ill will on anybody. I hope him and the 210,000 others that have had a poor experience, I guess you could say millions that have had it, not just the people who haven't made it out. But, you know, it's just unfortunate that we have such a crisis. And it is ironic that someone who has called it a hoax, someone who doesn't support mask wearing, who's made a political issue out of public health, which is something I've never even seen historically, certainly not in my lifetime. It is interesting. And I think it's going to hurt him electorally because the White House is putting out videos of you know, how strong he is and he beat COVID. By the way, everybody, he is not tested negative yet. He still has COVID, but they're trying to frame this politically to make him look like a fighter or a real leader. And so far he's dipped by three points in the polls. Biden is up nine or 10 points nationally. So it's hurt him politically you know, God bless him. Hope he doesn't take a turn for the worse. but he is not out of the woods yet, no matter how many videos he puts out on Twitter. So.
0: And political differences aside, I don't understand how an individual can stand there or sit there and get the sickness themselves and still say, don't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. What about the 210,000 that are dead? The millions that are getting it, not a hoax. It's very serious. I just don't know what to say to that. I, well, go ahead. No, no you go I, ahead. I was
2: going to say, like, to go off of that, like, even today or whenever it was, like, I think it was last night, early this morning, when Trump was like, I'm not going to do a virtual debate. Well, you can't do a physical debate if you have the coronavirus. Like, That's not very safe.
1: I'd also add that he spent the last two months attacking Biden, saying that he would like wimp out of debating Trump. But now, as <laughs> is usual... Trump has ended up contradicting, it's hard for him politically because, you know, in the most unbiased way possible, I don't think we can say that the president likes being wrong. If you ask him, he may never admit that he has been wrong. So it would really, for him to change course right now, show that for the last eight months, the Democrats were correct in this argument and he was wrong and that he's failed and he can't afford to do that. But he also really can't afford to act like he's okay while he's infected with COVID. So he's in really the worst of all situations and the health issues. You know, we haven't even put that in there. He's at risk. Yeah. Objectively, he's, he's at risk. Yeah.
0: He's 74. Yes. Um, For his weight, a little yeah. heavier than he should be at his age. Yeah. So he's definitely at risk and...
1: He has the best care in the world, but if he was a middle-class person, I would err on the side of, you know, maybe he's a little more at risk.
0: Yeah. But. The thing that bothers me most about it is he has the top notch medical people at his hands, mm-hmm. yet you don't listen to him still, or no. it, and it's just like frustrating because we don't know what's honestly true and what's not. Like it's just so hard to decipher. Like, mm-hmm.
1: well, they what's had to give him true? supplemental oxygen. at the I hospital. did hear that. Yeah, I just wonder what Anthony Fauci was doing the day that he was diagnosed. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speculate, but I'm sure he at least found it ironic.
0: He had to. You mm-hmm. know what? I'm gonna leave it on that note. What were you doing when you found out President Trump tested positive with COVID? Thanks for listening. We will see you Monday. We have another special guest, um, the McLean County Clerk. We're gonna be talking about voting and just important dates. I'm Grace. I'm Kelly. I'm Grant. Thanks for listening.